You know, we are in our Matthew series. So we've landed this weekend on Matthew chapter 14. If you're new to our church, this year we're doing, every year we do a year-long study on different books of the Bible. So this year we've chosen the book of Matthew. And that coincides with the theme of our church, which is actually together we follow Jesus. And that is an emphasis on discipleship. And, you know, we as the leadership, we really believe in raising disciples here in SIBKL, right? Not just churchgoers, but Christ followers. Because how many of you recognize this, that just because you come to church doesn't mean you have God in your heart. You could come to church, but God could have could not be within you. You know, anyone can actually come to church. Anyone can actually turn up. This is a free and it is an open service. Anyone could come in, but it takes a certain intentionality or decision to actually have Jesus in our heart and have Him the center of our lives. So, Matthew 14 consists of three parts. If you have your Bibles, you would see that you know, the first part is actually the story of John the Baptist getting beheaded. And then the second part, which Pastor Chu covered in the first three services, was actually about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And now we have landed on this portion of Scripture, which is about Peter walking on water. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I want to encourage you to turn to your Bibles with me. Um, it's going to be on the screen, but if you have a Bible with you this afternoon, please, by all means, look at your Bible. Now, Matthew 14, verse 22 to 36 says this, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him truly, saying, you are the son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Amen. God's bless the reading of his word. Now, you know, this scripture uh, is, if I want to admit, um, it's a little bit difficult to preach on. Um, not because of how I'm, not just because of how I'm feeling right now, but it's because if you've been in church for a while, uh, most of us will know this scripture. We have seen this scripture, we have heard about it, you know, it was taught in Sunday school, in children's church, in youth ministries, about doing great feats for God. But if I were to look at this scripture, 
the one key theme in this scripture is actually faith, right? And faith, you know, is something that is, um, again, most of us, you churchgoers or Christians would be very familiar with. We know what faith is. We know the concept of faith. We heard the definition of faith. We know faith is the evidence, you know, of things unseen and, you know, confidence of things hoped for. We know the scripture. We know all of that. But this afternoon, in line with our theme of discipleship and then following on for having faith, I want to preach to you from the thought of faith afloat, which actually, you know, I've kind of subtitled a faith that works. Because all of us, I would say, have faith. But it's not just enough to have faith. We need to have faith that actually works. Because if you've been in this, if you've been done this Christian thing for a while, you've been in church for a long time, you will know that sometimes just the simple answer of just have faith, it's kind of like, it's, you know, it feels like it's lacking something. So this afternoon, I want to bring to you what kind of faith would actually work. And I'm going to take from if you, if you have your physical Bible or if your electronic Bible, and if your Bible has this thing where it actually highlights in red the words of Jesus, my points will be taken from Matthew 14, 25 to 35, right? All the red-lettered words of Jesus. So the first point is this. Faith that works requires obedience. Faith, faith that works requires obedience. And where do I get that? You know, when, Jesus, when Peter saw Jesus on the water, or what he thought was Jesus, he said this to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come and I will. And Jesus said, come, and Peter did. You know what that highlights to me? That highlights to me the simple fact of, or the simple act of obedience. Now, obedience is again, like faith, not a very difficult concept to get, but not many of us, if we're really honest, are really, really obedient or can say that we are fully obedient to God. And I see obedience twofold, right? One is actually the Logos Word of God, which is the written Word of God, and another is the Rima Word of God, meaning when God speaks to you, when He tells you to do something, you obey immediately. You don't get into an argument with Him. You don't doubt, you know, it is Him. You obey immediately. So twofold, our obedience. The first part I want to talk about is the standards of God, the Word of God, right? Many of us, we seek the ways of God, but we don't necessarily want to concern ourselves, or we seek the works of God, but we don't necessarily sometimes want to concern ourselves with the ways of God the standards of God that is written in the Bible. You know, 1 Samuel 15 verse 22. It's an interesting passage here. You know, I'm going to put it on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. This is Samuel having a conversation with King Saul. Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to His voice? Listen. Now look at this saying right here. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Can we all say that together? One, two, go. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. 
Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshipping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, He has rejected you as king. Now the context of this passage is really, really simple. Saul was appointed king and God told Saul, gave Saul this order. He was to go to the Amalekites and he was to destroy them completely. That sounds very, very straightforward, right? He's supposed to destroy them completely. So is he supposed to spare anything or anyone? No? Okay, you probably didn't have enough coffee this afternoon. That's why you're kind of a bit slow. I'm a bit more alert to you. I'm the one who's sick, okay? So, right? Yeah, so it's very, very simple, right? Destroy everything. Don't spare. Don't leave anything. But Saul decides in his mind, you know what? I'm going to do God better. I'm going to help God out. So what I'm going to do is I'm only going to destroy what I think is useless, but every spoil of the land, you know, and every person that I can use as a slave and all that, I will keep it for the kingdom because I'm doing God a favor. But when Samuel finds out what Saul did, he rebukes him. Now, Saul was probably waiting for, you know, appraisal, right? He was going, you know, wow, Samuel, you know, wow, Saul, you're so clever. You helped God out on this one. But Samuel rebuked him and said, obedience is better than sacrifice. So here's the point, my friends. You cannot make up in sacrifice what you lose in obedience, that's a faith that works. What do I mean by that? You know, some people have this idea that I can live life the way I want to. I can run my business the way I want to. I can, you know, see different people the way I want to. And it's okay. I'll just make up for it by serving more in church. Or don't you know how much money I give to God? And don't, oh, don't you know how many ministries I go to? Or don't you know how many classes I attend? My friends, if we had get, gotten ourselves into that kind of mold, we have actually missed the point and we are on a slippery slope. Obedience is better than sacrifice. What do I mean by that? God is actually not looking at our outward deeds. He's not just looking at all the things we supposedly do for Him. He's looking to see if our hearts truly are aligned and obedient and loving Him. Because Jesus said this, right? Whoever loves me will keep my commandments. Whoever loves me will do what I say. And again, that is a very simple statement. He, didn't, he doesn't say whoever loves me will go and change the world. Or whoever loves me will go and do great things and all those, even though all those things are good and you will come along. But the Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I want to ask us a sobering question this afternoon. Is our life aligned to the Word of God? Not your ministry, not supposedly what you do for God, but your life, the places, the things that people do not see, does it line up to the Word and the standard of God? And you may be sitting here and you go, okay, but what kind of, why, why 
Should I follow the ways of God? Right? What is it in it for me? Now, I, that's not a very, I know it's not a very holy or very Christian thing to say, but we do wonder at the back of our minds, right? Because the Word of God tells us to do things that are extremely difficult. And I'm not even saying things like go and save the world. You know, it's simple things like forgive your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, bless those who actually curse you. Those kind of commandments, right? And, you know, the whole concept of holiness, keeping ourselves pure and keeping ourselves clean before God, all these things, it sounds like it's very, you know, it's what's the point or what's the reward in that? You know, I found one thing. Let me let you in on a little secret, right? I found that this actually worked for me. I'm going to ask everybody this question. How many of you, you want to know the will of God in your life? You want to, you want to know, right? Yet most of us here would actually want to know the will of God in our life. In fact, sometimes, you know, we talk to leaders, we talk to pastors, we read books and all that, and all these different things. But I've learned one simple truth when it comes to the will of God, and it is this, that when you follow the ways of God, you will flow into the will of God. And it's not just a John Nan saying, right? Even though I coined that phrase, but I take it from Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. It says this, and it's going to be on the screen. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What do I mean by that? Let me tell you, friends, family, obedience are simple building blocks towards the destiny that God has for you. Do you know every time you forgive someone when they offend you, every time you pray for someone that you ought not to, every time you say no to temptation, every time you sacrifice the world supposedly to follow God, you are flowing more and more into the will of God and breakthrough is on the way for you. You don't need to pray big prayers. Even though big prayers are great, you should pray them. You don't need to do all these different things. You don't need to go you know, and bow down a couple of times. No, because worship is not just with our lips, it's with our lives. It's not just the songs that we sing, but it's the life that we live. And when you do that, you will automatically align yourself into the good and perfect will of God, which is what the Word of God says. There have been many times in my life where I struggled and I did not understand why I had to do certain things or why I have to go through certain things, why I have to submit to certain people or why do I have to let certain things go? Why can't I go and fight for certain things? You know, I've, there have been times where I just really, 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 ah, you know, I, I, I want to do things my own way. But can I tell you, I am 110% glad I never did that and I followed God. 
I may not be where I want to be right now, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. I may not be where you know, I thought I would be, but I thank God that God is leading me and guiding me by His Holy Spirit one day at a time. Every decision, my friends, every day you are faced with a decision. Every decision you make can either be, a, can either be one of obedience or one of convenience. One of obedience to the Word of God and to the leading of God or one of just, I'm just going to do things my own way. I'm just going to do things my own way. You know, I read this saying um, recently by uh, Francis Chan. So I'm just going to paraphrase it, right? He said this, Never in human history have Christians been able to consume sermons and books, yet many are finding a lack of fulfillment in their faith. It's not because of the lack of knowledge, but a lack of application. Man, we, have, we are the most resource generation, right? You can Google absolutely anything, but yet many of us sometimes feel like, what is all this faith about? Because what, 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 what has happened? It's all just in our mind. It's all just in our head. It's kind of like how some of us actually tithe to the gym. Anybody do that? Right? Or right? anybody still do that? Right? You tie to the gym. What do I mean by that? You pay money to the gym, but you don't actually go. Right? Faith is a muscle. It has to be exercised in order for it to grow. And obedience to the Rima Word of God or to the Logos Word of God, but also the Rima Word of God. Now, what is the Rima Word of God? I believe God actually speaks to us in our daily lives today. Now, I don't want to go into that and say and explain how God um, speaks to us and all that. But if you're interested, a few, a few months ago last year, I actually preached a sermon on hearing the voice of God, right? So I'll just put that link um, out there. Sorry, a bit of self-promo. I don't get any money for this, so don't worry, right? Um, I don't, we, none of the pastors get royalty for the U, number of YouTube views on their sermon, right? So, but it's just something that I hope that can encourage you and help you if you want to find out um, how do you actually hear the voice of God? Because there's the written word of God, but God also speaks. And you know when God speaks to us and He tells us to do something, oftentimes it goes against our comfort and our rationale. You know when Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, yes, come. Right? It went against His rationale and comfort because how many of you know it's actually not logical to walk on water? In fact, it is impossible, right? I don't know about you, but I don't like boat rides. Uh, you know, I, I don't like boat rides. I usually get seasick quite easily, right? But when I'm in the boat and I'm tired of it, I don't just decide like, you know what? I'm tired of this boat ride. I'm going to you know, step out and just walk back, walk back the way I came. No, right? It doesn't happen that way. So when Jesus spoke to Peter, he told him to go against his comfort and his rationale because the principle was this for Peter, that if he wanted to walk on water, he first had to step out of the boat. And so many of us, our faith, if you want to see your faith come alive, a lot of times you have to step out of your proverbial boat. Not your literal boat, but a proverbial boat, right? Where we feel like we are safe in our comfort, where we don't want to push any boundaries. We don't want to actually put ourselves in a position where God can actually use us and can, we, our faith can be put into action. 
There were many times where God spoke to me and I can tell you I resisted it. One of the, one, if, if those of you who know, one of the, the big, one of the big decisions that God told me to do was to actually stop you know, university and go to Bible college. I resisted that. And another decision after that, after I completed my Bible um, studies, right, God told me to come back to Malaysia. And I was like, oh no, I'm already in the Malaysian promised land, Australia, right? I don't want to go back, you know, to, to I don't want to come back, go, go back there, you know, all that. And, you know, and I remember when I first came back to um, Malaysia, right? When I first came back to Malaysia, I didn't join SIBKL. I, I didn't have a home church because I didn't grow up in a Christian family. So I didn't have a home church. Um, and I joined this other church as the youth pastor there. But I remember I spent a year plus over there and things didn't work out for me, partly because of my own arrogance, right? You know, sometimes when you come back from overseas and then you're young, you think like you know it all, you think you are like the answer to mankind, you know, you think you're like some kind of saviour incarnate. You go like, I've been to Australia, I know all these things, right? So, you know, part of it was actually my own doing. But after, you know, a year and, you know, I, I kind of, I'll tell you, I bombed at that ministry, not in a good way. I failed at that ministry and I was left with a Bible degree and nothing else left. And I was like, God, what in the world am I going to do now? I was really lowest of lows. I was actually so low at one point, I didn't even know what church to go. I actually Googled, you know, churches in Malaysia, right? So I, was, I kind of looked at, you know, different churches and all that. But God told me, go to this church called SIBKL. And I'm like, what's that? You know, like, never seen that. I've only met Pastor Chu once, uh, you know, at a, at a pastor's um, meeting. So I never didn't know what that church was about. But I, I obeyed. I, I flowed in. And, you know, different things where, where even in, in my own life, where God would tell me, go and pray. I don't want to bore you with the details, right? But there have been instances where, um, you know, I'll be, I, I can tell you outside of church, forgive me sometimes, I'm actually quite antisocial, right? So if you see me in public and you, you know, and you go like, uh, wow, why the Pastor John so arrogant one, you know, it's the kind of thing. It's just kind of like, sometimes I value my own space, uh, especially on planes, Right? When I'm on, on a plane, I straight away put on my headphones and I just don't want to talk to anybody. But in those different situations, you know, God has actually led me. I remember one time I was in the post office. Um, you know, I was, I, was, uh, I was in the post office. I had to get some um, stuff done. And I was sitting next to this lady. And, you know, and the Holy Spirit was like, talk to this lady. And of course, I said, no, right? You talk to her, right? I don't want to talk. You talk to a God. I don't want to talk to this lady. But long story short, you know, I talked to this lady, you know, I prayed for her, you know, I told her that God loves her and all that. And she, left. she was in a very bad, you know, space. She had heard about, you know, Christianity. She went to a Catholic church once, but she didn't know about Jesus. But she said, you know, because you prayed for me, you know, I'm going to ask my sister who goes, who started going to church, you know, I'll, I'll join that church as well, you know, and see how it goes. So there'll be instances like that where I open up myself to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The question is this, will we actually obey? Many people want to hear the voice of God, but then not many people want to heed the voice of God. If you want to hear the voice of God when He speaks, my friends, you better listen. Because how many of you know you actually stop speaking to people who don't listen to you? You stop telling people who have kind of like, you know, turned themselves away from you you stop talking to them. And God is like that as well. God, there, there will be a time where God will just stop speaking. Not because He's, 
angry or mad, but he wants to see whether we really have a heart of obedience towards him. The second point, sorry, rather, let me just read one more scripture. 1 Corinthians 1.25, it says this, The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. What do I mean by that? God oftentimes will tell us to do certain things that in our logical minds may not seem right. May not seem right. I, was, I remember, you know, I, like there are many, for those of you, you know, who have, who have walked with God for a while now, right, you would know some of these stories. But I remember one story was, um, I was actually, um, you know, I was talking to my friend. My, my friend was actually, uh, he's actually a, a young adult, you know, he's kind of like me. And he was thinking of whether he should actually um, move from, so he works in Singapore, he's a Malaysian. He was actually offered a job in Hong Kong, right? And he was offered a job in Hong Kong. And this job, um, you know, on paper, it seemed like a much needed upgrade, right? Like the pay was, you know, almost like 40% more. The perks were, you know, amazing and all these different things. And um, at that point of time, you know, he was seeing this girl and, uh, you know, in Singapore and their relationship wasn't really working out well and all that. And, you know, but he was doing well in his spiritual life. You know, he was growing in the church, he was serving there and all that. And, you know, he had a chat with me about it and he was like, um, you know, what do you, what do you think? You know, it looks, like, it looks like an offer that is too good to turn down. And I asked him this. I said, if it's an offer that's too good to turn down, what's stopping you? Just take it. And he told me, he said, something in me just doesn't feel right. And the thing is that company was really, really pushy. So they actually gave him a deadline. Like they wanted him to um, respond by the week's end. So he only had a few days to do that. Right? So he was still wrestling and struggling. And, and at the end of the day, he actually said, you know what? No, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do, do that. But long story short, he said no to that job. But what had happened was he actually then got a better job in Singapore, which actually meant that he could stay in his church, remain planted and grow. And the relationship with that girl, well, I just need to say right now they're engaged to get married. So you can see that, that a lot of times, right, God will say don't do certain things or don't do this. And you will feel like, but this seems like an opportunity. This seems like someplace that I should go. But if we listen to the voice of God, we are heeding the wisdom of God. The second point is this. Faith that works requires courage. All that I've said, obedience, whether it's to the Logos or Rima Word of God, you need courage. And I take this when Jesus actually responded to the disciples. Because the disciples, they saw a figure on water. They were like, ah, it's a ghost. But Jesus said, fear not, it is I. He assured them that it is I. Oftentimes, God will give us a vision or a leading beyond where we are actually safe in and to see into the unknown. God is calling us there. And you know what? That takes a lot of courage. And it doesn't just take courage to do the big things for God. 
You know, a lot of times we want to do big things for God. We want to start a business for God. We want to start a movement for God. We want to do all these different things for God. And there's nothing wrong with that, and it does take courage. But you know what else takes courage? Saying yes to God and no to the world, even when people don't give you credit for it. Right? I, you know, I, I had a privilege of spending some time with a uh, you know, of a, with, a, with a great guy um, over the past couple of days, you know, we went on a motorcycle ride to Thailand together, you know, he and I. So, you know, we were just talking and all that. And this guy was telling me how in his job, because he was the head of sales in a, a very, very big automotive company, right? So he was the head of sales. And he said this, that, you know, as the head of sales, a lot of times he was pressured to do different things. Like he has pressure to go places that he did not want to go. And he was pressured to even, um, you know, drink and all do, do all these different things. And yeah, you know, just get involved, you know, in all, this, all, all these things and all that. But he said, no, I actually said no. And I trusted God to vindicate me. Today, he actually changed jobs to a different car company and he got a promotion. And he was actually, you know, really successful in his job. So let me say this, my friends. It is really, really simple, but also not easy to do. Being obedient to God requires courage. It takes courage to not go the way the world goes, especially when all your friends are getting promotions and you are stuck where you are simply because you want to do the right thing. Do you know what? It takes courage. It takes courage to want to raise your family the right way, even though it seems simpler to take shortcuts. It takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to say no to temptation and to trust God to deliver you from where you are stuck in because you need to have that conviction to trust God. That's what courage is. Courage is having that conviction. And conviction can only come about with revelation. You know what's revelation? Revelation is not just information. All of us have a lot of information. Some of us, we've been in church for, you know, uh, since the day we were born. You know, we've heard different sermons. We went to that conference. You know, we bought the t-shirt. You know, we got all these different things. But at the end of the day, Information is just that information. It's kind of like this. All of us know that exercise is good for us, right? We know this. But how many of us would actually have the revelation to devote time to go and exercise? No, it's like we know. It's like, oh yeah, I shouldn't be eating this way. Or no, yeah, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be living that. So true courage needs revelation. And revelation is only strengthened by relationship with God. The disciples, when they saw Jesus on the waters, right, apart from Jesus identifying himself as, I'm not a ghost, I am Jesus, the other thing that would have caused them to realize that it was him and not a ghost was their relationship with him. That they spent time with Jesus. There is no substitute for our personal time with God. 
You can come, you know, you can go to four different churches or four different services on a weekend. You can do, you can serve in a hundred ministries. You can do all these different things, but that will not substitute a personal relationship with God. In fact, I would dare say this, right? I know serving is a huge culture in our church and I believe in serving. But can I tell you this, my friend? Serving is actually the lowest point of relationship with God. Do you know why? How many of you, you have a boss? You have a boss, yeah? Any of you? Yeah? The rest of you, you're your own boss. God bless you, right? How many of you, your best friends are your boss? Like you'll go over to his house, you know, you'll take his phone, take a selfie with it, and go, ha, ah, boss, look, I'm so cute, you know. Will you, will, will, you do, will you do things like that? No. Many of us, we have a work, you know, we have a workplace, we have bosses, we do things for them, but it does not mean we actually relate to them. And it's the same when it comes to God. A lot of times we do a lot of things for God, but some of us only know how to do, we don't know how to relate to him. And it takes a lot of courage that you must know Jesus, not just know about Him. Information is just knowing about, but not really knowing who He is. Because when you know who He is, God is who He says He is, and He will do what He says He will do. When you have that kind of conviction and revelation, you will have courage. When God tells me to step out, I know that there is a plan for it. When God leads me to troubled waters, I know that He has a plan for it. You know, where God guides, I know He will provide. Where God leads me to it, I know He will lead me through it. You know, that's because I know who God is. My friends, brothers and sisters, can I encourage you? Don't just let somebody with a microphone talk to you and stir you up about Jesus. Get to know Him for yourself. It will absolutely change your life. Put your trust in Him. Have courage. Be bold for Jesus. And boldness and courage is not, you know, acts of bravado. You know what acts of bravado is? It's like, look at me, I'm so courageous. You know, I rip off my jacket, rip off my shirt and go, ah, I'm so strong, look at my muscles. No, that's not true courage. True courage is even sometimes that still small voice that you speak to yourself in that go, you know what? I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep standing up for God even if I have to go it alone. That's what true courage is. It does not need to be dramatic. It does not need to be, have showmanship, but just one thing that we choose to do. We push on. And the principle of this courage, I see, I recognize this. It is safer on the waters with Jesus than to be in the boat without Him. It's safer to be on the waters with Jesus than to be in the boat without Him. Occasionally, people still ask me, do you have thoughts about, you know, going back to Australia or do you regret, you know, uh, you know coming back to Malaysia and doing all these different things, you know, going, getting into ministry and all that? No, I recognize ministry is tough work and it has challenges like all other jobs. But I'm here not because of ambition, but because of revelation from God that God lead, led me to where I am, I would have never imagined that I would be here standing, sharing the Word of God with you, 
or having a youth conference next weekend with a thousand old people coming. I would never imagine all this. Is, and I'm not singing my own praises, or I'm not boasting about myself, but what I'm saying is that I trust God, I follow Him, and He's the one that opened doors. Would you have that kind of perspective that you would trust God, that you would even take risk for Him because He is leading you to? The last point is this. Faith requires longevity. Faith requires longevity. And I take this from the last red letters of Jesus because Jesus said this, right? What happened was Peter walked out on the water. He was walking towards Jesus. He caught sight of the wave and the winds and he started to sink. But then Jesus caught him and picked him up. And Jesus said to him this, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, that phrase there, little faith, is the Greek word oligos pistis, a compound of two words. Pistis actually means faith, right, in the Greek. For those of you who don't know, the New Testament was written originally in Greek. Oligos is actually this word that could mean a few different things. You know, it could mean um, something that is small or something that is short in reference to time. So I would dare say a clearer translation of Jesus' um, remark to Peter is, why did you have such temporal faith? You had faith to step out of the boat and walk towards me. Why didn't you have enough faith to keep on walking? Why did you... And here's the thing about faith. Faith is a journey, right? A faith that works must one must, in order for our faith to work, we must recognize that faith is a journey. It is not a marathon sprint, right? It is not, oh sorry, it's not a hundred meter sprint, right? It is more of like a long distance walk or a long distance track. Um, for those of you who uh, would know, you know, recently I had the, uh, privilege of actually hiking up Mount Kinabalu, right? Um, you know, we went there as part of our run-out rally. You know, we blew the shofar there and all that. And man, can I tell you, I'm only going to do it once. And that was enough for me. I already got a photo. I got a certificate. I can show you, ah, I've been there before. You've been or not, you know, that kind of thing. But man, that was actually a real challenge. And it wasn't just a challenge on the day itself, on the climb up itself. There was a preparation before that. You know, we had to train and get all, you know, ourselves ready, get ourselves, um, you know, fit and all that. And it's the same with our faith, right? If you think of a, of a cross-country run, right? Different times, we will go at different pace. Different times, we would go at... Sometimes, there'll be flat ground where we can go a little bit faster. Sometimes, it's downhill, it's a little bit easier for us. Sometimes, it's uphill and it takes a lot more effort to keep pushing on. And that's what happens with our faith as well. My friends, faith is not a feeling. Can I tell you this? God's love for you is not a feeling. Whether God cares about you, don't just say, I don't feel God. Because a lot of times, our journey with God is exactly like that. There will be times where it will be easier and there will be times it will be harder. There were times where you will have victories and there were times you will have defeat. The key is, is to keep on going. 
to keep on going. Just like Peter, he had his eyes on Jesus, he ought to have keep going and not look to the left or to the right. You know, uh, I think of an example of this. For those of you who are a little bit, uh, are of a little bit in the know of the Christian world, uh, you all know Joshua Harris and Marty Sampson? Yeah? How many, how many of you heard of him? Just kind of like wave, give me a wave. Um, most of you wouldn't know about him. That's okay. So the, the gentleman at the top there, Joshua Harris, he's actually now what we can say a former pastor and an ex-Christian. Um, what had happened was, or how he rose to fame, so to speak, was a long time ago, I think in 1997, he actually wrote this book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. It was the manual for all, for like relationships in church groups. Like it was like the manual. Like everybody would refer to it and defer to it as to what it actually means. And you know, Joshua Harris, he actually uh, propagated or he promoted this whole thing about dating is wrong, you should go into courtship. Means that if you see someone, it should be definitely seeing them for marriage and nothing else, you know, and nothing less. That's it. And, you know, Joshua Harris, he actually became a senior pastor as well. He wrote different books and all that. But over the years, you know, first he left his church. Nothing wrong with that, right? You know, just because you stop being a leader doesn't mean you, can, you stop becoming a Christian, right? You know, he, he leaves his church. But then, you know, he actually starts, he, he divorces his wife. Here is someone who actually pushed and believed in the principles of marriage. He divorces his wife. And then later on, he says, I don't believe in God anymore. Marty Sampson. Do you all know Marty Sampson? Any, who knows Marty Sampson here, right? He's a worship leader from, you all know Hillsong? Yeah, you know Hillsong? So again, right, Marty Sampson was, even though he was not the most prominent worship leader, right, but he was one of the singer-songwriters on the Hillsong album. Means, you know, he, that he actually had exposure to all the different things, to all the different moves of God that Hillsong experienced, all the different conferences and all that. Recently, he announced on his own Instagram as well, saying that, you know, I don't believe in God anymore. Like, I, you know, I don't believe in all this stuff. So here's the thing. We got two high-profile people and who actually, you know, seemingly were doing well in God and now come out to say, I don't believe in this stuff anymore. Two things we can look at this, my friends. One, we should not be surprised by it. Because Jesus himself said, in the last days, many will fall away. And the other thing about that is this. Do you know the platform is not proof that you are whole in God? Many people want to chase the platform. Many people want to get position in church. Maybe not you, right? Maybe the other services, right? right? They want to get positions in church. They want to get recognition. They want to, do, they, they want to become a worship leader. They want to become a, a preacher. They want to get, do, do all these things. But can I tell you, just because you stand on the platform, it does not mean that your heart is fully healed of all the hurts or all the issues that you could be internalizing. And some people, they, you know, some people even ask, oh, does that mean we should stop singing like a Hillsong songs and all that because they're, they're not right or that? Hey, let's get something straight. We, you know, God is in charge of, or God is responsible for His anointing. We are responsible for our integrity. God is not going to look at you and go, 
wow, you are such a good preacher, you are such a good leader, or you're such a good businessman, you know, therefore, come, you know, come into where I am. No, God is not, because what did Peter, what did Jesus say to Peter? He did not say, why did you not keep walking on water? He said, why did you doubt me? Why did you have so little faith? My friends, faith requires longevity. And how do we get this longevity? Um, I had a little paper cup here. I think someone took it from me. I kind of need a paper cup. Um, there's one over there. Um, there's one over there. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Isaac. And um, Josh, you're going to come up here for a while. Josh, I have one job for you. I want you to take the cup of water. I want you to walk down the stage and walk one round and come back up here without spilling that water. <laughs> it's, really a, it's really expensive equipment on, the, on, on, on stage, so... <laughs> yeah. Just go, just, just take your time, okay? You don't, have, you don't have to look at him, look at me, all right? Now, Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat now at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What is the key to actually having a faith that lasts, longevity? So Josh, you took, around the, you took the water and you walked around. What do you notice? I spilled a lot of water. <laughs> Did you notice the people looking at you? No, I was walking straight. No, right? Did you notice that some people were kind of laughing at you and all that? Yep, I did. Yeah. Right? You noticed, you noticed a little bit, but you had your focus to keep that cup, to keep the water in the cup, right? Yep. Okay, thanks, Josh. You can have a seat. What, what that illustrates is this. So when I asked him, Josh, did you see, did you notice the people all looking at you? He said, no, because I was focused on keeping the water in the cup. My friends, the key to a long-lasting faith is not to look at what the pastor is doing, what the worship leader is doing, what, the, what the, the baristas or the ushers are doing or what other people are saying or what gossip is going on and about. The key is to keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Him. Only Jesus. Because that's what happened to Peter. When he took his eyes off Jesus and he started looking around, he began to sink. Why don't we all rise in this place and we can get the band up here. Thank you, Jesus. You know, if, my friends, if you're not in a hurry, could you just take the next three to five minutes and just rededicate yourself to God this afternoon? I don't know how your faith is doing, 
I don't know what kind of season you are in. I don't know what kind of challenges you are facing, in fact. But what I do know is that God is faithful, that God's Word is true, that it is living and it is active and it is relevant for each and every one of us today. You know, in a moment, I want to open up this time and this opportunity for people to receive prayer. And I want to encourage you, when you respond to this, you're not just responding, you're not responding to a person, you're not responding to me. You're responding to God Himself. Because I know there are people here, the first group of people that I want to open this time and invite you to receive prayer is that maybe you have kind of done this church thing or you've done this God thing for a long, long time now and you are feeling a little tired and you need a bit of encouragement. I want to assure you, I want to comfort you that God will not allow you to sink. He will pick you up. He will catch you. Will you open up your heart to Him this afternoon? The second group of people that I want to pray for or I would like, or I want, uh, I would like you to receive prayer for this afternoon is that maybe there is an area of obedience in your life that is lacking. And can I say that obedience is not just done by more striving. It's not about trying harder. It's about trusting God more. So I want to pray for you this afternoon that the Holy Spirit will give you that kind of trust, enable you to feel that kind of trust. So we are, I don't want to take too much time, you know, we're already running out of it. So as we sing this song, if you want to respond, I'm just going to ask you to quickly come down to the front. You don't have to wait, you know, you don't have to hesitate because we're here and we want to bless you and pray for you. But otherwise, we're going to sing this song and we're going to close you call for the afternoon. Me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where he may fill. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. And I will call upon your name.
Lord, I pray for every single person here in this room. Lord, I pray that our faith will be one that will stay afloat even in times of trouble and times of uncertainty. Oh Lord, we will weather the storms that life throws at us because we have a Saviour that is greater. We have a God that is greater. We have a God who is personal, who is full of promises, and that is You, Jesus. So we look to You in all seasons or trials or situations in our life. We look only to You and not to anyone or anything else. Help us now to have that kind of obedience, courage, and longevity in You, Lord. We worship You. We honour You. Separate us now with your love until we meet again. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming.